We're going to go today to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. I want to say how much I love you and appreciate your burden that you have been carrying in prayer. And you are making a difference. Um, what I'm getting ready to preach to you this morning, um, I've been carrying around. And um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've tried to get out of it. I just, I just know it's a heavy word today. And I was talking to Bishop, to my dad on the uh, on FaceTime early this morning, just touching base with him, and of course the conversation kind of went in the direction, what are you preaching, what's going on, so I began to share with him. But I was preaching, I told him, I said, you know, it's a, it's a heavy word, and uh, he said, heavy's required right now. In the season that we're in right now, heavy's required. If we're not carrying something to the pulpit that's weighty, then we're probably just giving people donuts and saying, go ahead and fill your belly with something full just to make you full, but it's not going to bring health to you. Um, I know sometimes when you look at, um, at a pastor's life, you know, this, it really is. Um, I told Brother Wendell and Sister Morgan last night, I was like, man, this is the easiest thing anybody could ever do. I mean, car salesmen have it by far more stressful. and um, It's really not that big of a deal to be a pastor. You only have to work Sunday and Wednesday, right? You don't, you don't have anything else going on. You just preach three times a week. And, man, that's, the, that's kind of the ticket, right? But I want to tell you something, church. I carry you before the throne of God every single day because I don't want you to be lost. And I'm not just pastoring to have a pulpit to preach in. My job is to do everything I have to do to get you ready for the rapture of the church and to make it to heaven. So we're going to dive in today in 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and verse number 18. We're going to let God carry us wherever he wants to carry us. And I trust him enough to know that he will do exactly that. Um, he's not going to have to fight me to get it done. Somebody say amen. Second Chronicles chapter 18. And verse number 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. Again, he said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. Somebody say angels. Okay. And the Lord is in a council meeting with angels. This happens often. Same thing happened with Job. The Lord has the sons of God, the Elohim, around the throne of God. And the Lord asked this question. He said, who shall entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? One spake after 
this manner said and another after that manner. And so the angels are going back and forth. Now, then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord. And this one spoke a little bit different. He said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, okay, what's your plan? Wherewith? And verse 21, and he said, I will go out. From where? From the presence of the Lord. From this council. From this meeting at the throne of God. I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, that'll work. He said, you're going to entice him and you're going to prevail. So go and do it. If you can find a false prophet that can manipulate him, he will believe it. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. This sounds pretty dark right here, but God's going to help us. This is King Ahab, the king of Israel. And he needs to be defeated. And the Lord says, what are we going to do to make it happen? And an angel said, I think the best way to deceive this man is to put a lying spirit on a prophet. And the false prophet will get the job done. I'm going to preach to you this morning. This is my subject. So I need your seatbelts on really, really tight today. When God finally lets you believe what you want to believe. When God finally lets you believe what you want to believe, you may be seated. So, a little bit of background on Ahab. <clears throat> Ahab's father was the king of Israel named Omri and he was, uh, he was an evil king, did evil in the sight of the Lord. and So it's really no wonder that the next generation was Ahab. And whatever Ahab's father put up with in the kingdom and allowed, if you read very closely, you find out that Omri let it happen. But Ahab married himself to it. Ahab had a wife by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel was wicked. And the reason that she was wicked was because her father was wicked. And so Ahab marries outside the kingdom this woman by the name of Jezebel whose father is a worshiper of Baal. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go deep into this. The spirit of Jezebel is not just this woman in the story, but if you read the book of Revelation, you find out that the spirit of Jezebel was still working against the seven churches. And so Jezebel was a woman, but it's also a spirit that works in the earth. 
It is a spirit that infiltrates holy things. And when Ahab marries Jezebel, the very next thing we find out is that Jezebel is a worshiper of Baal because her father worshiped Baal. And so Ahab builds a place of worship to Baal. So he marries himself to the woman, and in marrying himself to the woman, he marries himself to her doctrine. Mm. You cannot dance around with false doctrine and not marry yourself to it. And the thing that you have to understand is that anything that comes out of that relationship will always reproduce some kind of a half-breed type commitment to where even if Ahab knows that though his father did wrong, he is still the king of Israel, which is supposed to have only one God, and that is Jehovah God. But he's married himself to a worshiper of Baal. And so when those two come together, you're making your kids choose which one they're going to serve. Now, this happens. I, I, I don't want to chase this too, too far today because I've got to get to a certain place before your stomach starts growling because then you cut me off and your meatloaf burns in the crock pot, and we can't have that. But Ezra's dealing with this situation, and he starts telling them when they come back into Jerusalem that you need to put away these strange wives that you have married because... You're producing a predicament in your children. You are priest of the Most High God. But these people that you have connected yourself to are causing your children to pledge their allegiance to another language. So let's just be honest. You were a priest because your father was a priest. So the next generation of priesthood, if something doesn't turn in repentance in the heart of the nation, the next generation of priests won't even know how to speak the language. How can they offer sacrifice if they don't even know how to speak? How can they offer holy things to God if they don't even know how to present themselves? You understand what I'm saying? Now, we're flying a 747 today. I don't have a Super Cub powered up or a helicopter where I'm just going to lift off, so I need a little runway right here. And I'm going to tell you that we need more prevention preaching in the end time than we've ever had. What do you mean, Pastor? We need some prevention preaching. Because you will never marry yourself to something that you haven't flirted with first. You, got, you can be seated. I said you'll never marry yourself to something that you haven't flirted with first. And the principle that you need to buy into and understand today is that compromise has never happened when somebody woke up one morning and said, I think I'm just going to marry Jezebel. It was a spirit that had been wrestled with for a long, long time. But you'll never, ever have a grove where we plant uh, trees to build an altar to Baal if you don't marry Jezebel. And you'll never marry Jezebel if you don't flirt with Jezebel. And so what happens with some people is that, oh, Lord, I want to get this to you right now. The Lord spoke so plainly to me 
this morning on my way to the house of the Lord, and I was wrestling with this. I was here till almost 2 o'clock this morning wrestling in my spirit with this. And the Lord spoke to me on my way here this morning, and he said to me, he said, Son, the spirit of compromise will always be justified in the eyes of the compromiser. Nobody has ever made a compromise by what they did not justify it in their own eyes and say, well, God understands that's not how I was raised. God understands that my circumstance was different. God understands that I've had to walk through fiery trials that nobody else has had to walk through. But I feel like telling somebody today that there will be thousands upon thousands and perhaps millions upon millions of people that will be lost for all eternity and will go straight to a devil's hell throughout eternity knowing that they justified their compromise in their own eyes. Now for those of you that think I'm just preaching Pentecostal rhetoric today, I want to tell you that the Lord spoke very clearly in his word and he said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end of that way, he said, there will be destruction there. You understand this preacher when I tell you that man, when he is drawn away, he is drawn away of his own lust. And lust, when it is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Uh, I really, really hope to God that the spirit that I'm trying to get to you today will be manifested in this house. I want you to understand me when I tell you that in the book of Luke, the 24th chapter, as Jesus is telling the signs of the time, and I taught this to you just a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but the only sign of the time of the coming of the Son of Man that Jesus mentioned in multiplicity was deception. He did not mention earthquakes multiple times. He did not mention pestilence. And while everybody is tripping right now about the pestilence, the plague that's in our land known as COVID-19, everybody's worried about COVID. And listen to what I'm telling you today. Because of a virus and pestilence, somebody said, put on a mask, and we believe the mask would work. Somebody said, stay in your house, and we believed it would work. Can I tell you that after two weeks of mandated mask, we've got higher case count than we've ever had. But let me tell you what's working in the earth right now. You hear me? This is not about masks. I want you to wear them. I want you to do what you feel comfortable with. But listen to what I'm telling you. My point is a government official stands up and says, wear a mask. It'll save your life. A preacher stands up and says, fall in love with Jesus. You'll be safe for eternity. And we won't buy into it. It's a sad day when politicians have more pull on the faith, oh God, have more pull on the faith of a church than a man of God. I had a a pastor reach out to me yesterday and he said, bro, I need you to help me right now. He said, I'm struggling. We've had some cases that have broke out in our area. 
He lives in a southern state. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling pressure. He said, I walked into my office and somebody had laid a newspaper uh, on my desk that had the, the stats of how many new cases have risen. He said, it was like they were trying to send me a message. You big dummy, look at how many cases are rising and you're still trying to have church. And I just told him, I said, brother, listen to what I'm telling you. I said, at the end of the day, it is people's prerogative. If they want to stay home, then they stay home. But it is our prerogative. That if we want to gather in the name of the Lord, then we're going to be in the house of God. And it's hard for hurting and broken people to be in the house of God when the doors are locked. (laughs) Pastor, why are you doing this? Because deception is the thing that the Messiah mentioned would happen the most. It is a spirit of lies that are working in the earth right now. And people are trying to make this a political issue. I just want to tell you right now, there's no such thing as a politician that don't know how to lie. If they didn't know how to lie, they wouldn't have got elected. So quit trying to make it a political issue and just acquiesce to the idea. It's the spirit of the age. It's a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of baloney. But the church of the living God can stand on a firm foundation. We will win. Everybody walking with me right here? I don't, I don't know if, if we're ready for this. I know for sure there's probably a bunch of folks watching today that are not ready for this. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm fed up to here with the devil. I'm sick. I'm past. I'm just done. I'm, he's a liar. You hear me? I said he's a liar. I got a list last night. I started reading. I have no clue how many. I didn't even count. On a, on a scrolling deal, it was about... Five pages, something like that, five or six pages of names of politicians and leaders and church leaders from other denominations and different things that over the last three or four days have been arrested for this pedophilia sexual ring, this thing that's going on. Anybody read about it on the internet? Probably not. Anybody hear it on the news? Probably not. You know why? Because it's lies, it's secret, it's hidden. We don't want the truth to be exposed. We, we don't want people to know that children are being wounded very deeply with things that they'll carry their whole life if they're lucky enough to live. And we'd rather get online and fuss with somebody as to whether or not masks are effective and get online and fuss with somebody about politics. I'm telling you right now that the gods of this world are mocking and laughing at people who are distracted by the things of this world. I'm not trying to rub a raw spot today, but if you've been around this church at all, you know I love you. 
and your skin color has never had anything to do with whether or not I love you. I don't care where you came from or who your parents were or what your background is. I love you. You hear this man of God. I love you today. I pray for you. I call you before the throne. And the enemy of this world is sitting back and laughing at the church when preachers have allowed their churches to get stuck in the narrative of hate. This is the body of Christ. And if you've got a problem with a brother or a sister that's of another skin color, that's on you. Forgive me if I sound too bold today, but I'll tell you what's pushing the narrative is when people get on there and talk about my black brother or my black sister or my white brother or my white sister. Why don't you cut that junk out and just call him your brother? Cut that junk out and just call him your sister. fire God is love and if you've got the Holy Ghost you've got the spirit of God in you oh my God y'all gonna make me sweat on a Sunday morning Pastor, what are you doing? Let me just go ahead and open this up and let me declare it on a public forum. You hear me? I have come today to openly expose every spirit of deception that is working in the earth. I have come to stand as an oracle of God in the pulpit of this church today and to declare to the principality of this city and to the principality of this region, oh my God. God, we will not sit down. We will not be quiet. Greater is he that's in us. So, so stay with me right here. So here's, here's the basic principle that I'm trying to set this up with. And I'm, I'm fixing to get out of my introduction and get into my sermon. Here's the, here's the understanding I'm trying to get you to. Whatever you want to see, that's what you're going to see. Look. I, I really wish people would just be straightforward and post what they think about masks on Facebook. I mean, I wish there was somebody out there that really just believed that there was more to this, more to this virus than just the sickness so that they could post it online and have 8,000 people comment on there, go back and forth fussing and fighting, saying, you're crazy, people are dying. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It's a spirit of division that's working. Nobody's denying the power of the virus. I got friends that have died from the virus. The thing that, I, that people are denying is what the virus has brought to us is more than sickness in body. It's brought us sickness in the body. Yeah. 
Now, I know today that I'm pushing up against a spirit that don't want to hear what I'm preaching. But I don't take it personal because Satan hates the truth. And so let me just tell anybody that's got anything to say today about what the Lord is speaking to the body of Christ right now. To be really honest with you, I don't even want to have the first conversation with you until you've spent as many hours in prayer about your complaint as I am for preaching this today. Man, Pastor, you sound hardcore this morning. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm being like brutally honest with you right now. I'm not mad. I'm not frustrated at anybody but the devil. But I am so sick of fighting back and forth with a spirit of compromise with people that want to continue to justify compromise in their own life. Let me just throw the red flag up and tell you, Jesus is coming. I'm tired of hearing the church get caught up in the things of the world and then explain to the church why we're missing out because we are stuck in our old ways. If I'm an old timer, they call me an old timer. If I'm just an old fogey, they call me an old fogey. But when the trumpet sounds, you can call me gone because I'm leaving here. Listen. The devil wants you to believe that the loudest voice in the world is the voices of backslidden compromisers that are saying the life that you're living is not necessary to please God. But what they don't know is that my love for God is so much louder than their voice of compromise. The pastor preached to you right now. I'm telling you folks, if I've ever known that I've heard from the Lord and been the Holy Ghost, we're here this morning. But you listen, I'm not being mean, I'm not being ugly. There's a difference in being bold and being ugly because you can do both. But I want you to hear me when I tell you today that this is really cheap. Talk. Talk is cheap. Talk, 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 talk. I'm not looking for talk, talk. I'm looking for walk, walk. I want somebody that'll quit talking about it and somebody that'll start doing it. Come on, I'm talking about somebody that'll quit talking about the cross. Jesus didn't say if any man come after me, he's supposed to talk about the cross every day. He said if you come after me, you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow after me. Pastor, I don't know if I'd be willing to preach this in front of some people. You hear this preacher when I tell you this gospel message is good enough. It ought to be preached in front of the president. It ought to be preached in front of kings and queens. I'm telling you, if I had a chance today, I'd stand before the president of the United States and I would tell him, sir, you need to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, I'm going to say it to you like this. I have yet to find anywhere in the scripture, whether studying eschatology or studying early church history, anywhere that the world set the narrative for the church. Now, the part people don't like is that the gospel is usually contrary to the narrative of the world. 
So that's why they're uncomfortable when they have to speak. Listen, listen. Compromise is one of those few things that happen that are never, ever satisfied. You just, you just write that down and keep it stuck in your brain. If you're ever willing to compromise and back down on what you know to be truth, you'll never stop backing down. But the delusional spirit that's on top of it makes you feel the reverse. It makes you feel like you're actually standing for what you believe in. It makes you think that you're stronger than you used to be. When you are a weak and feeble child of God that had to have somebody preach the word to you and tell you how to live. What a shame, you know it? That you got to have somebody preach to you in your life. And I really want to tell people, you know, that's not a Pentecostal thing. The word of the Lord asked the question, said, how shall they be saved? Oh, see, some of you are ready to preach right there. Without a preacher. A preacher is going to help you get saved. But you're going to have to make up in your mind to stay saved. Oh, God. And so, Ahab marries himself to Jezebel, falls to her gods. The Lord's sick of it because it's a manipulative spirit that continues to work. Now, again, I don't have time to really spend on Jezebel, but I do want to tell you this much, that we hear, always hear about Jezebel. I bind that spirit of Jezebel. Just be careful. Because if what you're trying to bind is stronger than you, you're about to get in trouble. But I always hear people talking about Jezebel. And the thing that people need to understand is that Jezebel is a spirit that must be enabled to work. Ah, man. Lead balloon. Everybody wants to talk about the strength of Jezebel. Everybody wants to talk about all that. What was the propelling, the propulsion? What was it that pushed Jezebel? It was Ahab. It was an, an enabling spirit. He said, baby, if that's what you want, that's okay. You just come on in. And so then the manipulative, manipulative work starts going back and forth because they can't exist without each other for very long. So she manipulates him, and then he sticks his thumb in his mouth and manipulates her. She walks, what's wrong with you? I want Naboth's vineyard. And he said no. She said, oh, you want Naboth's vineyard? Oh, baby, I'm sorry if that's what you want. And listen to the spirit. Now, y'all don't, you may not recognize this. Here's the spirit. Well, if you think it belongs to you, then it belongs to you. It don't matter what anybody else says. Ain't nobody trying to recognize that spirit in the earth right now. I'm going to take about a 30-second pause in preaching this anointed thing. I'm fixing to insert something right here that I just hope everybody will, will appreciate. And if, you, if I make you mad, you buy me a cheeseburger. I'm going to tell you one of the places we went wrong. Yeah, prayer in schools and all that. But I'm going to tell you one of the places where we went wrong is when we started giving everybody trophies for participating. We need to raise up a generation that says you either win or you lose. 
Now let me get back in the spirit right here. And let me just tell you this. That spirit has rubbed off in the church. Because you either win or you lose. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either in the church or you're out of the church. You either make it to heaven or you go to hell. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching rhetoric. I'm preaching truth to you. It's in the word of God. You don't get halfway saved and get to go to heaven because of what you agree or disagree with. Well, I've been baptized, but it wasn't in Jesus' name. Then you better get baptized in Jesus' name because you've got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. So I'm moving. I'm moving. I got just a few minutes left. I don't know how I'm going to get this done. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm telling you in this section where we're at right now that you're going to see what you want to see. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to see what you want to see, and you're always going to justify it. In Hebrews 6 and 1, I heard a preacher one time. He's a TV preacher. I'm not going to name his name. He read this scripture. Now, we're going to read it in context in just a second. But he quoted this scripture while he was preaching, and he said, See? You don't have to be baptized to be saved because the Lord did away with it. I'm, I'm being honest with you. He did. So let's, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Go ahead. Of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He stopped right there and he said, the Lord has already laid that foundation. We don't have to continue teaching that. So here's what's going to happen. If you hang around people that don't preach baptism is essential to salvation, then you're going to think you're saved if you haven't been baptized. Listen, baptism is not your introduction into the church family. We don't baptize into a church community. Baptism is a biblical mandate of covenant. Yes, we are baptized into the body. That is not speaking of a local assembly. Baptism has now become, in the denominational world, an outward expression of an inward faith. And we've got apostolic churches. Honey, I hope you enjoyed our houses and cars and whatever we've had, because we may have to sell it when this is over. That are telling people who feel the need to be baptized in Jesus' name, wait till the first weekend of next month, we're going to have a baptismal service. What are you going to do if they die in a car wreck between now and then? And God moved on them to be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh. I'm old-fashioned. I'm I, Hey. Something's got something's to change. Something's got to wake the church up. Because there's going to come a day that you're going to believe whatever you want to believe and see it however you want to see it. And you're going to cross over a line that God is going to let you believe it. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible. Somebody shout foundations. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift 
and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted of the good word of God and the power of the world to come. I've wrestled with this scripture forever. If they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. I said, God, does this mean that there's no hope for repentance for a backslider? I'm fixing to put a big old light on you right now. Y'all ready for this? Anybody here ever read Luke 15? The backslidden boy that ran away from home. We call him the prodigal. It's funny. Well, that's what we call him. We call him the prodigal. So you're going to tell me that Jesus takes the time to tell a story about a backslider coming home and their house rejoicing. But there's not hope for a backslider. It's a lie. There is a hope for a backslider. What this chapter is talking about, if they have fallen away, what have they fallen away from? Read the context. If they've fallen away from the foundation, if they say that what used to be the foundation of truth is no longer necessary, you can't restore that person. Pastor, please explain what you're saying. Okay, here it comes Gerber style. You ready? There are people in this town today that may be hung over may have needle tracks in their arms, may be all kinds of messed up, but they're backslidden out of this church. And if you walked into them today, hung over, still messed up on drugs, whatever it is, and you said to them, if the Lord came back today, would you make it? You know what they'd say? No. Why? Just because they're backslid doesn't mean they've gone crazy stupid. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? There were probably people sitting on bar stools last night in this city that if somebody asked them in their drunken state, how do you, what do you have to do to be saved? They'd say, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. We had a family member years ago that I've heard the stories of him going to the bar, getting, getting drunk, and he'd stand up in the bar and preach. Acts 2.38, drunk, drunk as Cooter Brown. He'd stand up and preach Acts 2.38. You're telling me that there's not room for restoration for somebody that still believes truth? No. They can be restored as long as they still believe truth is truth. And there's a window for them. And that's why we believe the prodigal is coming home. But there is a pivotal moment in that Luke 15 story in the prodigal where he comes to himself. And there are people that are going to come to themselves before the Lord comes they may come to themselves with a needle in their arm. And they may come to themselves in a drunken stupor. But they know where to turn and they know where to come. But we're going to be in trouble if the house they come back to looks nothing like the house. Oh, God. Looks nothing like the house they left. What are we going to do when they leave that bar stool and come to the house of God and we're full of spirits of compromise? Oh, Don't nobody look like we used to look. We don't worship like we used to worship. We don't preach like we used to preach. We threw away our pulpit and got us a coffee table and a stool and sipped coffee while we're preaching. They're not going to recognize the house. Go ahead, stud muffin. Tear them jeans up. 
get your pretty little shirt on and stand up there and tell people how it's going to happen. You listen to what I'm telling you. I've been pleading and praying to God. I've been praying to God that he would resurrect some hellfire brimstone preachers in this end time that'll get up and declare you're either saved or you're lost there is no in between hear me today we need some preachers that'll plead with God in the carpet and plead with the church in the pulpit and they need to do it unapologetically so I'm not going to apologize for trying to get the church ready for heaven that boy comes home and don't even recognize a platform standard you do realize there's people that disagree with our way of life but they would be broken hearted if we changed it I probably should have packed up here the pulpit today I'm going to have to get some guys to get me out of here. I'm telling you unapologetically today that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more we're going to be putting pressure on people. Turn from your wicked ways. Come on, somebody. Before he came the first time, he had to raise up a John Baptist six months ahead of him. Listen, six months? He gave him a window. He said he's just a little bit older than me. I had to let John come before I came because I had to send a forerunner to tell you before I show up, you got to repent. You know what I believe? I believe in this short window right before the coming of the Lord that God is going to raise up some wilderness preachers that are going to come firebrand preaching out of the wilderness and say, repent! If they fall away, from the foundation overheard conversation some time ago from a former apostolic preacher and a friend of mine was sitting listening to the conversation when God opened the door for this man and this guy was asking this backslidden preacher he said tell me what you think about the Holy Ghost and the man that used to be an apostolic preacher he said I believe it's a gift that God gives some people but it's not necessary for salvation I'm not God, so I'm not playing that game. But that right there makes me tight as a drum. If at one time it was necessary, but now it's not necessary. How does that happen? You just start a dating relationship. And there's a crossover moment. The unseen part of Luke 15 is how many times... Did he think about going home before he finally went? It's not recorded. We don't know. We don't know if it took the first time he's just there and he was like, oh, man, it's better than my father's house. If you honestly believe he had to get that far down in the pig pen to think about his father's house, I think you're probably wrong. Because I believe when he left his father's house and he headed down the road, even if he felt justified walking down that road, it had to cross his mind, what am I doing? So don't jump out there killing backsliders when they've walked away and kicking them in the teeth while they're down. They've got questions too. 
and they need somebody on the front porch. When they turn back this direction, they can see him up there pacing. God sent my boy home. God sent my, listen what I'm telling you. Oh God. They need somebody that's going to keep feeding the fatted calf. That's why it was a fatted calf. Because daddy kept investing. Someday we're going to have a party and my boy's coming home. He'd get up in the morning. He'd tell his servants, go out there and get that calf. That's my favorite calf. Go, go out there and get him. And I want you to take him over to his own stall. And I just want you to feed. I want you to hand feed him corn. I want you to give him. Why are you doing this? Just trust me. Just go do it. And the day that boy came home, he said, go get him. Go get that calf. Go get what we've been investing in. Our greatest harvest and return of prodigals is going to come because we never stop investing. Even while they look lost. They're go- oh, God help us. They're going to have that moment where they come to themselves. Keep on feeding the calf. Keep on feeding the calf. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. It's coming. So, you got to wonder. What happens if God keeps on reaching and we keep on rejecting? We've got a word for it. We can prove it all by the scripture. What's going to happen, Ahab, is that you could have turned your back on the ways of your father and caused Israel to repent. But you've married yourself to some things that you knew better. And so now the Lord is saying, I'm finished with this spirit that's operating in this man. And he calls the angels together on his right hand and his left hand. He's God. He knows what to do. But he sends his angels to do the work. And he says, let me hear your thoughts. What are we going to do to take this out? And they say, well, I think I'd do this and I think I'd do this. But he's God. You understand that? He's God. And he's like, hmm, that's not what I'm looking for. And finally, this one angel steps out of the group. He steps before the master and he says, tell you what I would do. This man has been deceived. And he didn't want to hear the voice of true prophets. Because Jezebel's been trying to kill him. So he brought in false prophets that would tell him, Brother Caleb, what he wants to hear. He's brought in false prophets that will prophesy what he wants to hear. He's brought in preachers that will preach what he wants to hear preached. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He got hirelings, not prophets, and there is a difference. He said, so if you can give one of these men that have given him a voice, a lion's spirit in his mouth, when he opens up his mouth, because he gave his ear to that voice, when the lion's spirit leaves his mouth, it'll fill his soul. Did you feel that? Because that's how conviction works. There's going to come a moment where God's Spirit's not going to keep striving. And I don't find it at all to be a coincidence that God used false prophets to relay the lying spirit. Church, I'm going to be really bold and really honest with you right here. You can find somebody that will preach what you don't want to do is unnecessary. Okay? You can find a church that will preach you today. The holiness is not necessary. Baptism is not necessary. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is not necessary. You can find it. It's there. 
but it doesn't make it truth. You'll find somebody to tell you, it's okay to just stay home. Jesus wants you to be a Facebook Christian. Don't make it true. Because it's really difficult for us to convey the power of touch through a camera. And so the Spirit of God is reaching right now saying, rise up. Go to the potter's house. Let the potter put his hands on you. Can you imagine the potter? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the potter forming something over a screen? You just form up there, pretty little bowl. You just form your little self up there. Come on. Come on, little vessel. Stand up. If it could have stood up on its own, it wouldn't need a potter. Am I preaching this morning? Can I answer that? Yes, I am. We need somebody to say, Lord, go ahead and mold me. Because if you could have molded me without touching me, I'd have never had to come to you. You ever wonder why the woman with the issue of blood didn't just stand up and say, hey, appreciate the touch. She had to show him. I want it bad enough. Whatever I have to do. I'm going to push. I'm going to push. Because somebody told her, the doctors will fix you. She tried for 12 years and never found a doctor to fix her. And she had that moment. She said, I refuse to believe another report. I'm going to touch him for myself. Because if you don't touch him for yourself... And you're going to have that crossover moment where you're just going to believe what you want to believe. This is the way it's going to be and this is how I'm going to die. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to move and work. Some of you think I'm stalling right here. I'm waiting for somebody to give in to what, what they're feeling in the Holy Ghost right now. i got to help somebody. In Romans, the first chapter, I'm going to have to jump around a little bit because of time. It's late. I'd sure rather be late leaving church on Sunday morning than I would be for the rapture, wouldn't you? I want to read this to you. I want to talk to you a little bit. Verse 22 of chapter 1. This is that false prophet with the lion's spirit. They profess themselves to be wise. They start trying to build their church with no standards and no separation and no holiness and no righteousness. Thinking that they were wise, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Think about that. They took his glory and made it corruptible. I hadn't got out of the word yet, church. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness 24 through the lust of their own hearts, oh God, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, 25 who changed the truth of God. Are y'all helping me preach right here? 
they worshiped and served the creature more than they did the creator. Verse 26. And for this cause, they fell in love with a lie. And for that cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Pedophilia is a sexual preference, Pastor. Get used to it. It's perversion. Homosexuality is a preference, Pastor. Listen, I love them all. I love everybody. They started changing the natural use to that which was against nature. This is not my preaching. This is the book. Is anybody helping me this morning? Watch what he does. Verse 29, he goes through their unrighteousness, their fornication, their wickedness, their covetousness. They go through all this, right? Down all, all through that. Then by verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers. They have no understanding that they've broken covenant without natural affection. Who knowing the judgment of God, 32. That they which commit such things. Are worthy of death. And here comes. Here comes the, the big kick. But the people that have pleasure. In them. Are as guilty as they are. Has anybody. Oh God. So go ahead Ahab. Listen to the spirit of the lie. That's in his mouth. Because man didn't send that lie. God sent it. You listen to what I've come to tell you today. I'm not here. To be a fear promoter or a fear monger. But I'm just preaching to you in the Holy Ghost. I've wrestled with God. And he hath prevailed. There's somebody in this house today. That's been telling God how much you think is not necessary to be saved. You just keep walking that road. Because as the angels of the Lord come before the throne of God. There will be a day. That the Lord says all right. You walk on down there and put a lion's spirit in the mouth of a prophet that's a charlatan and would rather have rear ends and seats rather than feet on streets of gold. And I'm going to put a lie in his mouth. Church, you need to go read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 6. He's talking about the mystery of iniquity working in the earth. And he said that Satan is coming. And he's doing signs and lying. Somebody say lying. lying. Wonders. I know I feel some of you carnal people right now saying, oh man, he's lost. He's overpreached. He's overpreached. If anything, I've underpreached. 
He said, they're going to buy into their lying wonders. Brother Haney, he said, because of this, they didn't have a love for truth. You read it for yourself. I refuse to lie to you about eternity today. He said, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, for this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion. Who sends it? How do you think he gets it there? That spirit comes before the throne. And he says, I've reached and I've reached. And I feel a flow of the Holy Ghost trying to move in here right now. God, if you're at a breaking point this morning for anybody that's under the sound of my voice, I'm asking that this word would hold that angel off for one more day. God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie is justified now they believe it go ahead to verse 12 and that they all might be damned does this not line up with Romans 1 and had pleasure And unrighteousness. Pastor, I really just think I want to find me somewhere to go to church where the burden's not as heavy. You can. But I'd be careful what I'm tying myself up with. I'm giving a warning in the Holy Ghost to somebody today. That what you've danced around with, it's time to turn in your dance card. Because your children are starting to wonder why it's okay for you to dance with it, but you tell them with your mouth. That's not what we believe in. It's not who we are. I'm pleading for somebody to hear me in the Holy Ghost today. I'm telling you, there's a prophetic anointing on my tongue right now. I'm speaking to somebody. If you've been playing around close to fire, get your kids away from there. They're going to get burned. How long, how long, how long, how long? I hear you, young people, I hear you. <laughs> Come on, it's trying to break out in this room right now. Oh, God. <laughs> How necessary is an altar call on a day like this?
Pastor, I've prayed about it and I feel peace about it. You know what? If you push it off long enough, you'll finally feel peace about it. But how long were you torn in your spirit before you finally felt peace? Because the Spirit of God's been reaching for you for months and months and months and telling you, stay away from it. But if you push long enough, He'll let you feel peace about it. I know what the Word said, and I know, Pastor, what you've preached, but I'm comfortable doing this with my family. I'd be scared to death if I was finally comfortable with it. God, I'm reaching for you today, church. I know it's after 12 o'clock. But God forbid somebody stay 15 minutes long enough to pray until you pray through. Pastor, I just don't think it's necessary to be here on midweek. I just, I'm sorry, I don't. I don't think it's necessary to be here at all the services when the doors are open. You, you mark it down. There's going to come a day that you wish you could be here and you won't be able to. Give God your best while you've got it. It ain't worth the extra $7,500, $250 you're going to make to miss being in the house of God every week. It'll pass away. If it's not your priority, don't expect it to be your kids' priority. Come on, men, let's square up our shoulders and quit making our wives do our job. Come on, child of God. Don't make somebody call you and drag you out of your house on Sunday. Pastor, there's nobody there to drive me. You got to think yourself happy. Uh. Uh. Come on, I'm just asking you right now to plead in the Spirit. Ask God to rearrange your priorities. Oh, God. They profess me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. If you're here under the sound of my voice today, watching online, whatever, 
want to tell you this kind of preaching will do one of two things for you. It'll either make you mad or it'll save your soul. And sometimes it may have to make you a little mad before it saves your soul. I've sat in church before and felt like, God, why'd you send that preacher today to throw darts at me? There's hundreds of other people here. You ever had those moments where you just feel like you might as well tell everybody else to leave and he just gets up and preaches to you? Some of you had that today. And I wouldn't walk out of here until I made sure I had it lined up. I wonder how many excuses will be made on that day we stand before God. Somebody will say, Lord, it just wasn't convenient. I'm fixing to make you uncomfortable, church. But our greatest age of discomfort as the body of Christ, spiritually speaking, will precede the rapture or the tribulation. Where being faithful does not feel like a burden to us anymore. But we're willing to be uncomfortable. Some of you three weeks ago were struggling to pray 15, 30 minutes. And over the last three weeks that you've been praying on this 24-hour prayer chain, in some of your prayer times, you've looked down at the clock and realized you're praying on the next shift already. Has it happened? Am I telling the truth? See? Do you see, do you see the dynamic shift? God's moving us out of this. And if you haven't felt uncomfortable yet, you better jump in. God is rocking us right now. Brother Tim, I believe with all my heart, he's rocking us. He's trying to get us to come awake in Zion. We are not going to see the coming of the Lord in our most comfortable position. The exodus of God's people from Egypt came only after ten plagues. Three of which deeply affected them. But the last of which showed the power of God when they applied the blood to their home. Those plagues were not just for the Egyptians. The Lord had to get the children of Israel sick of Egypt if he was going to get them out. Some of you are working right now to set up for a retirement that you're not even going to have. You may get to your retirement and your kids be lost because the house of God wasn't a priority. So you've got a nest egg, but your kids are lost. Well, pastor, you want us to live poor? Nope. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You watch what he'll do. I don't know that I felt the lingering presence on a Sunday morning like this for a long time. I just feel that drive. God's digging at somebody right now. Somebody's uncomfortable. And that's what the Holy Ghost wants. 
it's time you start talking about what you used to talk about. Dreaming about what you used to dream about. But now you've got complacent. You don't want to make that step of faith. You don't want to move in faith. Come on, I'm reaching for you today. I'm reaching for individual after individual after individual. I'm reaching, I'm reaching, I'm reaching. God is reaching. This is the moment of shift in this church. I'm hungry too. Come on, brother. Go ahead and open up your mouth and cry that out. Uh. <laughs> How long, church? How long, saith the Lord, will my spirit strive with man? How long will you wait to heed to the bidding of my voice? How long will you spur my spirit? How long will you turn your back to me? And act as though that because you can't see me, that you cannot feel me and hear me. How long will you strive with me? Shalabahaya. Come on, let's stand this morning. The enemy is not playing games with you. He's not playing games with your family, with your children, with your household. He's not playing games with your mind. He's not playing games with any of you. But the church has been guilty of playing games with the enemy. It's time to wake up, Zion. It's time we get as hungry for the presence of God as we are for our Sunday afternoon lunch right now. Come on, I'm right there with you. I hadn't had a bite all day today. Thank God for people like you precious saints that will load up your kids and bring them to the house of God. For you precious elders that nobody called you and woke you up this morning. Got up and came to church. It's a priority. 
Brother Matthew, your kids are going to thank you one day, buddy, for bringing them to the house of the Lord. You know how great it's going to feel when you and your precious wife walk before the Lord? And them two little boys are with you because you said it's going to be a priority for me and my house. Hallelujah, it's not too late. I look back here this morning. I don't want to embarrass nobody. I'd never do it. If they love me, they won't get embarrassed. I saw Sister Stennett sitting there. I thought, Lord, I waited a long time for her to be here. But then I looked over there to her right, and I saw her baby. And you're here today. Because you heard the voice of God. How many people are going to come back to God because people obeyed and came back to the Lord? I listened the other night to the testimony of a precious lady in this church who talked about how far she had drifted from the Lord. In her search to find God, she came back. But her testimony has been told before thousands. And somebody somewhere will be led to God because she heard the voice of the Lord and came back. Brother Maines, even when you said, I'll never be one of those. When you finally were. God's opened the doors. For he only knows how many prisoners. You know how many seeds you've planted, brother? But I feel like that God has sent somebody else to water that seed, Apollos. And the Holy Ghost would say to you today, you're not done. Somebody else is going to water that seed and the harvest is coming. I can't dismiss you today from the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you, I love you today. I love you. I thank God for you. I thank God for this church. When we come back in here tonight, let's not have to warm up, okay? Let's hit the doors at 530 in the prayer room. Let's get in touch with God. We're going to have church. I got, a, I got a word for you tonight if the Lord lets me preach it. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the men and women and children that you're drawing. Thank you for the revelation that you're giving. I plead the blood over every individual that's heard my voice today. Let him that hath an ear, let him hear. I pray a hedge of protection, God. I pray for those that have been watching online, draw them to the house of God. In the name of Jesus, keep us safe, bring us back again. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen.